and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today, it's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are going to be open all throughout the show. If you'd like to call in, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter or X, AgPhD Media or Brian Hefty. All right, so just to start things off today here on a Farmer Friday, I want to encourage you to do more soil testing. And I got a couple of uh, soil test questions coming up. We'll get to a little bit later in the show. But here was a situation that came up just yesterday. And so I was talking to a guy who said, all right, I want to do some composite sampling. And I said, okay, I, I understand. It's way cheaper. You're going to take this great big field. You're going to basically divide it into three zones. And so you're sampling roughly once every, whatever it was, 40 or 60 acres, I don't remember. And I, I, I said, I get it. You're going to, you, you know, you're only going to pull three core or three samples. You're going to pull a bunch of cores and mix it together and that's it. But here's the thing. If you've got that great big area, let's just say it was 40 acres. You got 40 acres. Is there really, seriously, no variance within 40 acres? I mean, just stop and think about that for a second. Of course there's variance. And to prove that to yourself, and this is why I wanted to talk about this today, you are probably, you may be, if you're listening to the show, harvesting right now, you're in the combine, and you're looking at the yield monitor this very second. And quite frankly, you're probably paying more attention to the <laughs> the yield monitor than you are anything else because it's interesting and it's it's neat and it's like, well, that's my income right there. Well, look at how much that varies as you go through the field. I'll just tell you, even on our own farm, we had a whole bunch of areas this year. Now, granted, we were in pretty severe drought, but we had a whole bunch of areas that were 250 to 300 bushel corn in the low grounds and anywhere where we had super heavy ground and things like that. We also had a bunch of areas that were 50 to 100 that were so drought-stressed it was terrible. And I just want you to think about that, whether it's drought or weeds or fertility or something else that's impacting that field, there is variance through the field. And because of that variance, you're going to end up with different fertility levels. You just are. So, and here's the thing. You have two choices. You can replace what you removed, and I, I'm all for that. We're using the, the new uh, software program, Verify. It's awesome because you can take your yield map and it'll convert it into a variable rate fertilizer application map. So, I mean, in all the fields, we aren't soil testing this fall. We're just going to put back what we removed. Makes a lot of sense. I get that. But the other choice is you can actually fix problems with soil testing. And so here's what I want you to do. If you are doing either no soil testing or you're doing just composite soil testing where you take a big area, let's call it, like I say, 40 acres, maybe it's 30 acres, whatever. I want you to do your normal composite testing in that 40 or 30 acres. Basically, you just walk around, pull a bunch of samples, and you mix it together and send it in. And then I want you to do one acre grids on that 30 or 40 acres, whatever you got. So let's say it's a great big field. Just do half the field or a third of the field or whatever on, seriously, one acre grids. Just to prove this to yourself, and I will guarantee you, you are going to see variance from sample to sample. So we, we pulled a bunch of one acre grid soil samples on our farm again this fall. 
and I was just going through this this morning, and then I was talking to our, our people, and I'm like, okay, we've got a whole bunch of areas that are good on any of these different nutrients. Uh, actually, I should pull up uh, my, my quick summary and what I was talking to our people about. But I just said, look, um, we're, we're low in a lot of these areas. We've got to get the levels up if we want to have the yields the way that we want them to be. And it's not just about parts per million. It's about looking at what's our base saturation test, how we do in there. Uh, how about ratios like phosphorus to zinc, phosphorus to uh, copper, things like that. I mean, those are all important things. So anyway, when I go through our, our fields, and yeah, we've done so much fertility correction over the years. I mean, we're not in bad shape or anything, but we end up with, just like this year, if you would have told me I was going to have a whole bunch of spots that were 300 bushel corn, I'd have said, you're absolutely nuts. We've we've had half normal rainfall for three and a half years. Half. That's, that's not good. And we normally only get 22 or 24 inches total including the snow. But we still had some big yields in some areas. Well, just think about the fertility you pull off in the best areas of your farm. A lot of times when you're doing fertility on, on the farm, you say, well, I had 200 bushel average, so I'll just put out enough for 200. Well, okay, but how about your best 10% or best 5%? It was probably really, really good, and that pulled the average up. So you just removed a lot of fertility there. Why don't you take a look at what do I need to do to get those areas back to where they were? Because wouldn't it be fun to hit the 300 again in that spot or however, whatever your best yield was in the best areas of your farm. But here are just some of the things that I went through with our people just today. I said, phosphorus, I, we're running Malik 3. We've got to get that up to 100 parts per million. That's like a, a P2 test. Uh, or strong Bray test. So if you're running a P1, it'd probably be like 50. And if you're running an Olsen test, it'd probably be like 30 or 40. Okay. So you know, just as well as I do, if you see like a 10 on your Olsen test or your P1 Bray, you're like, yeah, that's a problem. Okay. So anyway, got to get those up. Potassium. I want everything to be at 4% base saturation K. We've been cutting a bunch of silage over the last four years and where we've cut silage, even if we put manure back, it still has not been enough K to get us back to where we need to be. we got to be at a minimum of 4% base saturation K. i got all kinds of yield information on the farm that proves that to me. Zinc, I want that roughly 10 to 1 with my phosphorus. So if I'm going phosphorus at 100 on a malic again, and I'm running a malic zinc, um, I want 10 parts per million. Copper, I want 3 parts per million. Boron. I want a three part per million target or one one thousandth uh, for whatever calcium is. Uh, pH, we got to make sure we've got not a lot of spots, but we've got a few spots. We got to get them addressed. So, again, challenge yourself. Try some new things. Try just a small area where you do one acre grid. See the variance there. Stay tuned. We'll get to the phone lines next. When it comes to combines, capacity and costs keep going up. So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss Combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at Kloss.com. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. 
I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Because the challenges you face are getting bigger every year, BASF is committed to helping with more than boots on the ground. We're committed to boots in the mud, boots on the steps of your truck, your tractor, your combine, the linoleum tiles of your coffee shop, the concrete of your co-op, the gravel in your shed. So we can listen, learn firsthand, help right now to ensure success. BASF, helping you do the biggest job on earth. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio on a Farmer Friday. If you'd like to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's what Greg did from Montana. Hey, Greg, how are you today? Well, good. Good, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I got a question. It's been, I've, I've been struggling all uh, summer here. We had I planted winter wheat last fall. Uh, we use stripper heads here. Yep. Uh, this is our fifth year with them. Yep. Uh, this is my 48th year. I think I've been to winter wheat to 22 uh, years of those. Anyway, I've never had a, a weed issue like here. And, and not, I didn't have time to burn down last fall. So anyway, but uh, we sprayed, we sprayed uh, in the spring. Yep. Uh, uh, the, crop i mean look great and as the crop started to head out so did the weeds uh, and, and mostly what i had was kosher okay and uh, what did you use for a herbicide in the spring do you remember well we used uh it's called combo 19 combo no nope, i'm not generic okay. got a generic gold sky uh, it, the, it's a powder form, uh, uh, affinity, and yep. uh, I can't remember what else is in there for a, for a herbicide. Um, and, and then we use the Salvo LV6 at yep. 8 ounces. Yep. And then we, we put an end pack in there, which is uh, 26 pounds, sure. 16 pounds, and but. Anyway, we ended up swapping it, but uh, um, I just, uh, the kid, my son and grandson and I, we've been wondering what we did wrong, if we didn't have watered it down to, to where the weeds were uh, at the time with the stubble. We had a good stand of stubble uh, sure. from the 22 crop. Yep. I was just looking for your suggestions. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that, 
that LV6, uh, did that go with this tank mix or was that spread yes. into separate? Okay, together. No, no, yeah, all so, together. All, all together. All, all of it, the fertilizer and everything. Got it. And I'm a LV6 channel. I'm, I've never had failure <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> oh. All right. So, um, okay. So, Greg, um, let me just summarize real quick here. Um, it was winter wheat. Um, you seeded it last fall. This spring you sprayed, and then you ended up with a whole bunch of kochia, and you're basically just looking for what could have gone wrong there. Am, am I correct in all that? Right. Yep, okay. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So couple of things here. First of all, you said from last fall you didn't get a burn down on. It's not that right. big a deal usually for kochia because kochia is a summer annual weed, not a winter annual. But I, I mean, okay. this is one of the things if let's say you did end up someday with some winter annual weeds, we talk about burn down and then residual products like sharpen and stuff like that. But in your case right. with winter wheat, um, I really don't think that's coming up till spring and star rains, or I should say sharpen is probably not going to last all the way into the spring very well. Anyway, uh, there's another product called Anthem Flex that you could use that's got a group 15 in there that actually would last into the spring. So that would give you some help. So that would be something that you could do. I'm not saying that that's a must, but what I would say if you use this and it, so again, I, I'm not familiar with Cobra. Combo 19, but if you say it's like a generic Gold Sky, what Gold Sky has in it is Starane. That'd be the only thing it's got to kill that kochia. Now, it's possible there's an outside chance that you may have some Starane-resistant kochia. I hope that you don't uh, because Starane is a real good option. We really like that. Let's say that it isn't Starane-resistant. Okay, so starring has activity on kochia. LV6 has activity on kochia. Now, could there be a little antagonism there? Maybe. Uh, I'm not super worried about it. Probably more antagonism on the grass control. But, I, I mean, honestly, yes, coverage could have been a thing. Um, it also could have been something where the weed height got to be a little greater than what you may have thought. That happened to a bunch of guys throughout the Midwestern United States because we had way more heat units than normal. So guys sprayed at the same time they always do, but the weeds were a little bigger. Um, so that could have been something. But yeah, you want to make sure you get really good spray coverage. That's obviously critical. So, I mean, those things could have happened. So moving forward, um, there are a couple things that you could try. So you could switch out what you're doing for herbicide if you wanted to. So like uh, I, I would just say a lot of people now have gone to Husky FX because that's got two different things in there that are going to kill that kochia. You've got the, there's an HPPD chemistry. So it'd be a little bit like the, uh, the Callisto we use in, in corn throughout much of the Midwestern United States, kind of the same chemistry. Uh, that's decent. And it also has residual and there's starring in there as well. So that's pretty good. Otherwise you could do wide R match um, that's the new one from Corteva that came out a year ago. It's it's wide match, so that's Stinger and Starane, but then it's also got a 2,4-D replacement product in there that has activity on kochia as well. So, I, I mean, if it's me, I'm at least considering those couple of options um, so I get another mode of action out there. 
uh, with the Husky FX. Uh, the wide, wide R match, you're not going to get a different mode of action, but with LV6, we just have always felt that's a little bit hard on the wheat, and so I like the wide R match a little better than throwing LV6 in as a tank mix partner, just because it's a little easier on the wheat. I don't know that you'll be a whole lot better on the Kosha, but maybe a little bit. So, I mean, those are just kind of my general thoughts. So, yeah, moving forward, I'd, I'd look at uh, maybe switching to Husky FX if you're having problems, or at least try that on a few yeah. acres, and then just really take a look at, hey, am I getting good coverage, and am I spraying when that kosha is fairly small? Because the challenge is, okay. even a four-inch or six-inch tall kosha plant can have 20 or 30 growing points on it, and you have to kill every single growing point in order for that weed to die. Okay, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. Oh, it's, it's a fun weed, as you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, well, I think I had certified weed kosher uh, this year, so I could have sold it as Christmas trees. Uh, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Hey, did you? Uh, how was the weather for you this year? Were you were did you have more drought, heat? I mean, how how was it out in your area? We we started we no sub moisture, but we 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 were fortunate last fall. We had an inch two to inch seven. Yeah. So I hurried up and. And seeded, yep. uh, got the winter weed in, and, and it all got up. Yep. Uh, but it's, uh, no, we started out uh, dry, and then I, uh, the crop far exceeded my expectations for the amount oh. of rain that we got. Sure. So, but, uh, and, and it was, and we had, like the rest of the country, we had extreme heat. Yeah. There, uh, when we were spraying and stuff too. So yeah, and I, that's what we were wondering if that wasn't part the, of it. Or. Yes, that was one thing, and that's the reason. The main reason I was asking about the weather is, if you do have extreme heat, it's hard for the the herbicide to penetrate through the and get into the that leaf because the leaves will start rolling up. They'll develop yeah. a thicker wax. Yeah. I mean, those things absolutely yeah. can happen. So that that may be a part of it as well. Now. Now, the good news is in things like LV6 and some of the products that we spray, uh, they have some adjuvants already, but yeah, a lot of times you're throwing an adjuvant in to heat it up. You don't really want to do yeah. that. You have like an oil or anything when you have 2,4-D though, because then it really heats it up. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but anyway, yeah, normally it, the LV6, it's got enough oil in it on its own that it can get through that, that thick wax on the, the leaf, but you know, sometimes yeah. with that extreme heat, yeah, it just it doesn't work as well as it should. So, well, hopefully the weather will be a little bit better yep. for you next year, Greg. What, and what, yeah, go ahead. One more question. One yep. more question, Brian. I know you guys talk about a, a quart of Banville. Yep. Uh, with like fall burn down. Yep. Uh, I I've, I've never dared go over. Uh, back years ago, we mixed one to two ounces with our two four D. And uh, that just seems so. So, what if if we were to do that in Northeast Montana? What would the? That just seems extreme. Well, I, we're we're talking about ground that isn't going to have a fall crop on it. We're talking about ground that would have okay. a spring crop. So spring yeah, crop, but, yeah, but, no, no, you, that would be extreme if you were raising winter wheat. I'm with you. So yeah, even an ounce or two sometimes could be a little tough on that crop. So hey, Greg, thanks for calling. We got to run, but uh, good luck out there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You can count on Agro Liquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy. 
or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amped herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. It's Farmer Friday. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and taking your calls all throughout the show. 844-44-AG-PHD is our number. That's 844-442-4743 if you'd like to call in. Uh, we got Tony Wendler on with us next. He is our friend with Farm Shop MFG uh, down in Iowa. Tony, how are you today? I'm excellent, Brian. I'm uh, enjoying the... We've had a little bit of mist last couple days. And that's made the beans absolutely perfect for harvest. Uh, the the shatter loss was nothing, and uh, I'm thinking getting a little moisture in the wagon. Yeah, so, I always hope for like a tenth of an inch, just about when the beans are getting close to being fit. And a lot of people don't like that because oh well, now I have to wait a few days. Well, 
What I like is selling beans at 13% moisture. <laughs> I don't like them at eight. I don't like to harvest them at eight because it's like you say, I, I mean, you can end up with a whole bunch of shatter loss. And so anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm happy that we got this kind of weather, but I would also like to get done with harvest now. So we only have about, I think, two fields left to go on soybeans. So won't be long. Hey, I fixed the belt on this combine. I'm going to go out and try it again. And it was misting here all morning. So I'm, uh, I, I, I ran the other night and I had to run the windshield wiper for a little bit. Yep. And I was not throwing anything out the back. I was not losing anything on the head. And I didn't think the beans were that swollen. They were come through the combine perfect. And if they're a little wet, I'm just going to dry them in the bin. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we've been doing a little bit this fall as well. So using automatic bin fan controls has been great. Uh, just real quick, what what are maybe the top one or two questions you get about bin fan controls? One of the things right now is uh, got my beans in the bin, uh, got a bunch of uh, 10% or 9%, whatever it might be, and what can we do? And yep. uh, the uh, we've got a quick solution for that. We've got a, a bin spear, we call it, that you put it in a little access uh, sample hole in the door. We put one on top so we got differential readings with monitors and put a fan control on it. The, uh, there's no, no issue in doing that. The biggest challenge, the biggest question needs to be answered is, is the fan on the bin big enough? And uh, that's probably the biggest uh, problem for people is sometimes bean bins do not have really big fans on them. Yeah. And uh, I, I like to see my quick math Forgetting all the CFM is just one horse per thousand bushels. People are always happy with that math. And if you go to... I was just going to say, venting is the other thing. So I I know when we were working on this starting, oh, quite a number of years ago, I had a couple different people tell me, well, you don't have enough vents on on a couple of your bins. I'm like, what? Come on. We surely have enough vents. No, you really don't. (laughs) And we had to put some more venting on some of our bins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got a one older bin that you got to open the man hatches. Yeah. Uh, so I know what you're saying. And then uh, one with an automatic control, somebody was asking me about, uh, well, how does that work? Well, I put them on bungees so that they uh, over center. Mm-hmm. But when the fans kick on, they push them up and open. <laughs> and uh, yep. when they uh, when it shuts off, there's enough tension to pull it over center and they'll slam back shut. <laughs> Yep, uh, the the creative mind of the farmer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tony, anything else you wanted to uh, share with us today? You know, that's there's there's a lot of people talking about after they got the bins full. There are a few who are still working on getting ahead of it. Uh, you can really make a difference, and uh, the math really works. So uh, manage that moisture and maximize your sale. Uh, it's uh, it adds to the harvest, and with the prices uh, slipping a little bit, it's always great to ask, add some a little bit back to the bottom line. And it's big money. You know, on a 20,000 bushel bin, three points of moisture is a semi-load of soybeans. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really big sure. deal. So we started analyzing that probably 20, 25 years ago on the farm. I'm like, uh, guys, I'd be way ahead to take a dock at 14 than I would to combine beans or haul beans in at 11. And I know everybody gets upset with taking a little dock. 
but um, there's hidden loss that is unbelievably huge when that moisture is below 13%. Well, again, we've been yeah. talking with Tony Wendler here. He is with Farm Shop MFG. Just go to farmshopmfg.com to learn more about some of the things he's working on. Tony, thanks for the time today. Appreciate you calling in. Have a good weekend. Yep, thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. All right, we're heading out to Pennsylvania next. Got Kevin calling in from there. Hey, Kevin, heard you've been doing some harvesting on beans uh, this week and maybe planting some wheat as well, huh? Hey, Brian. Yeah, we so we started Wednesday on that and took our uh, beans off. They they were coming off pretty good, um, around 13.9 uh, moisture-wise, so I felt it was time to go. Yep. And then uh, yesterday we came right behind it with a little bit of lime. It needed some, and... Uh, had uh had my guy in the the other tractor planting uh, the wheat so yeah we're gonna see how that goes got a little jump on it nice so uh as far as the bean yield were you pretty happy with yield so far or what's it looking like yeah for, for that particular farm I was um, being that I, I knew it was kind of low on pH and it, it needed some we knew that going into this year and just couldn't get it on but um so we were at 58 bushel average. Um, I know that's not huge numbers compared to to, uh, to other regions of the country. For here, it's pretty good, and especially when you factor in the white-tilled deer pressure, um, we did pretty good there. So I think once we get this lime on, uh, you know, get another little rotation in there with the wheat, I think we're going to be looking good going into corn the following year, sure, and then back into soybeans. So um, hopefully, bump that average up closer to 60, and uh, yeah, I, I think we're looking good. How low is the pH when you say you're liming? So we are at 5.8, I think we had it um, analyzed at, uh, or tested at rather. And yeah. so, you know, it didn't take much to get it up. Um, yeah. You know, we just, just knew we needed to get it up a little over six there and, and to be happy. Um, so uh, a little bit of lime went a long way on that one. Yeah, what we've found is it's even more beneficial in corn than it is in soybeans. So now is a good time to do it when you still have basically a year and a half before you put corn in that field. So a lot of that lime hopefully will be active by then. And yeah, hopefully the pH is is in the sixes then because it can be a really big deal. Right. And then one thing I wanted to ask you with with this wheat, uh, just kind of switching gears here. um, You know, a lot of guys, everybody's got their own method of of putting out the you know, fertilizer and, and when to do it. Some some guys do a little bit, you know, in the fall once yep. they plant it. Some guys like to put all their nitrogen out and other, uh, you know, uh, I just wonder what you guys did. Well, I don't know that you want to do what we do because we're in a little bit different climate. So it barely sure. rains here, uh, it seems like, anymore. We haven't had good rain, a decent rain year since 2019. So, um, right. So I'll put it this way with wheat, you, a lot of times want to just get enough nitrogen to get it going. And then you want to hold back some nitrogen until later, because otherwise you get a taller crop without adding more bushels, you have more lodging issue and you can just run into some more problems. So we'd rather have a guy put a portion of the nitrogen on up front in the fall and then come along and stream bar or however you want to do it we like stream bars personally and so we we like to do that on our farm when we raise wheat or oats uh, just pretty much any small grain and that that usually works out quite well Uh, so my brother darren and uh, our research lead glenn went down to new zealand uh, 
probably three or four years. It must must have been right before COVID. And uh, they they visited the world record barley producer and the world record record wheat producer. And for both of those guys, they thought that the crop looked a little bit yellow early in the season, and that was strange to them. But for both guys, they're like, look, we don't want to load up on nitrogen early. We want to hit it just a little bit later, and then we have better protein levels. We have better yield. It'll be fine. So that was one of the things that I remember those guys talking about after they had looked at these two amazing producers of small grain. Okay, and that makes sense because, you know, a lot of guys that do uh, switch it up, you know, they'll say, well, the, you know, hey, my, my wheat is up and growing here early in the spring and boy, it looks nice and green and, you know, yours look, looks a little yellow and it's like, yep. hey, well, we haven't got the nitrogen on yet. You know, yeah. come June or something, there's stuff laying on the ground. Yeah, yep, exactly. Now, the other thing that I will say is we do like doing at least a little bit of soil testing in advance of the crop and then certainly in season just to see, well, how much nitrogen's actually there? Because sometimes after soybeans, for example, we'll have all kinds of nitrogen there. I was just looking at one of our tests this morning where uh, we had a whole bunch where there was only five pounds left after nitri- or after soybeans. So you just never know. All right, Kevin, thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. Are you ready? We got the need. The need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. From the moment the first seed is in the ground, your days until harvest are numbered. Each day, every decision leads to your bottom line. So, when it comes to harvest, rely on the only combine built to deliver the numbers you deserve. The Kloss Lexion gives you the quality, efficiency, reliability, and precision that make every minute count. Go ahead, let the numbers drive you with the Lexion Combine built by Kloss. In 1923, Bert R. Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit. And they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall. The tractor that is the one for all. You've done it, your yields are on the rise. But when it comes to marketing, are you falling short? Invest in yourself with Agris Academy. Agris Academy is offering a first-of-its-kind masterclass in commodity merchandising and risk management. Learn the best practices and tactics of the world's leading risk managers and apply them to your farm. Contact your buyers with a new confidence and boost your farm's profitability. Agris Academy's 10-week masterclass begins this November and is hosted on Acres TV. Sign up today with early discount code ACRES at agrisacademy.com. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com.
When nematode pressure, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. Live in the Morton studio today, it's Farmer Friday. We're just spending time on the phone lines all throughout the show today. 844-44-AG-PHD is our number if you would like to call in. Again, that's 844-442-4743. We're going next to Ohio. Got Shane on the line with us. Sounds like it's raining out there again today, huh, Shane? Oh, not today, but it did yesterday. Okay. Uh, all through the day. It was about six tenths. Yep. So was it a wet year for you, dry year? How did it turn out? It's all across the board. Um, no no year is a normal year anymore, as you know. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was talking yeah, with a guy so, about that yesterday. I said our last norm, what I felt was somewhat normal year was 2017. And it might not have been normal. It just, I've had so many extremes since then. I, that's as far back as I can remember. <laughs> Maybe it was kind of normal, but yeah, I'm with you. It's one extreme after the other. So what, what, what's what been your biggest challenge this year to, to raising a great crop? What What's it been? Oh, we, we were lacking moisture for, for the most part of the year we started out with a good spring uh then it turned really dry and uh that's really been been the problem when we finally started getting some rain we had all the smoke coming down out of canada oh yeah and uh that seemed to really put us back yep yeah, a lot of people were asking us, what's the impact of that? And I said, well, it all depends on how bad it is. I mean, if it keeps coming day after day after day, you're going to delay maturity. There's no question about it. There's going to be less sunlight that's getting to those plants, and it's going to be a little bit cooler. So it sounds kind of like maybe that's what happened to you. Is it the delayed harvest now? So uh, our seed salesman uh, or the seed company agronomist tried telling I shouldn't say tried. He he tried to explain it to to me as in uh, when we finally started getting rain and it was smoky, uh, that rain was driving the ozone, uh, and I don't know exactly what he meant by that, but driving the ozone down into the soil, and it was killing the nodules on the beans, which pushed them back and uh, basically had to start over putting nodules on, so it put them that much farther behind. So when we thought they should have taken off, they just kind of sat there stunned. Hmm. Well, I've, I've never heard anything like that. And we've had some pretty smoky years here over the last few years. I've never observed that or anything, but I'm not saying that couldn't be true. I don't know. It just, that seems a little strange, but you know, soybeans, they typically mature and they, they advance based on sunlight. So when we're getting less sunlight, then a lot of times we see, oh, it's just a little bit longer to harvest. Now, corn is is a little bit different. Corn, it's much more based on heat. So usually corn, as long as you have the heat, you're fine. But again, if you got a whole bunch of those smoky days, it's definitely cooler. Uh, a couple of years ago for Ag PhD Field Day, we had smoke roll in that day. And it was over 15 degrees less that day than what they forecast just that morning 
for a high temperature. I mean, it wasn't even close. So it just makes such a dramatic difference sometimes when that, that smoke rolls in. And it wasn't even like super thick that day. And I know you were dealing with some pretty thick stuff there in Ohio a little bit this year. I, I read a lot about that. So um, you're, you're going to be starting in harvest here fairly soon. What's the crop look like so far? I mean, are, do you think you're going to be okay despite all that dry weather? And smoke? Uh, we'll be a little lower than what we're hoping. Some of the guys uh, that have taken off were here in, you know, mid to upper 50s. Um, oh. And here the last few years, we've been seeing upper 60s, lower 70s. So we'll take a little hit yep. in the past. So yep. uh, corn, I, there, I don't think anybody's taking the cornfield out around except for silage. Sure. Yep. So it, it's looking good. Uh, I'm hoping it's good. Uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, hey, Shane, we want to wish you the best of luck. Stay safe during harvest, and uh, hopefully it turns out better than you think. I know we had a few fields of ours where I'm like, oh, hey, this is definitely more than what I thought we were going to get. So uh, any anything helps in a year like this. Sure, sure. Well, I appreciate you guys calling. You bet. Thanks, Shane. All right, let's go over to Minnesota. i got Matt on with us now. Hey, Matt, how are you today? Hey, we're doing pretty good. We are um, rolling thick in harvest uh, right now. I think that's about pretty norm for most people that might be listening here. But um, 15% down with corn and 60, 65% down with beans. We had um, some rain roll through this morning, um, not not even a tenth. But you know what that does, does to beans? It yep. just shuts you down for all all, all day it yep. seems like uh sun's starting to poke out here now but uh um i don't think it's early enough to get us going so but we'll we'll get back at it tomorrow yeah well we've had a, we've had 40 mile an hour winds or at least 30 most of the day today so i think we had the same kind of thing we had a little sprinkle yeah. but uh there's just so much so much darn wind i think we may be able to go here a little bit later but yeah it, it's been a real challenge right. we actually finished up corn already and we we've been waiting mm-hmm. on a couple of fields of beans for like 2 weeks it seems like we just haven't had the good weather for it yeah talking about wind um we're trying a few new things on the farm um, this year, which uh, kind of has been uh, wind has been affecting a little bit. Uh, we're spreading our own fertilizer this year, which oh. uh, my wife asked me, you know, why in the world do you need something else to do in the fall? <laughs> um, but uh, as you know, as busy as we are, it just seems like there's more to do than what we can get done in a day, you know, on, yep. on a normal day. And then you get to the end of harvest, and you wonder how it all got done, but it all got done. Yep. Um, but we decided um, it pencils really well. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try and keep it in house. But that's been quite the learning curve. We had a spinner spreader, um, and we spread a little bit yesterday before the wind got got uh, yep got out of hand. But I mean, that's one of the things about having a spinner. We're spreading 80 feet wide, and you just first year we're you know we got a pretty flat pattern. We pan tested it. It's uh, performing very very well. A lot better Good. than we thought it would. Good. But, um, but you know, there's there's a learning curve to everything, and there is. Uh, we're right at the beginning of it. Hand, handling fertilizer, uh, you know, um, we're hauling in hopper bottom yep. um, straight from the river. Um, so there's a little bit of trucking involved, but it's, uh, like I said, the numbers, uh, I think we're, you know, it, it's going to pencil well. It's just whether or not uh, 
we decide that we have the time for it or we make the time for it or we come up with the time. Yeah. Well, the other thing is I've talked to a few people over the years who have started doing their own fertilizer spreading. We started doing our own uh, over 30 years ago now. And anyway, like I just remember, well, for our farm and for a lot of farms, they've been able to save so much money. They go, you know, we can hire somebody. We can hire another person on our farm. Then we have them all year round to do all kinds of other things too. So there is that sometimes. And whether it's, oh, we got a kid that's in college or in high school or whatever. And you you bring up the wind and I agree with you 100% with the spinner spreader because that's what we had for many years on the farm. We did a lot of evening spreading. Just when the wind starts dying down, oh, we go spread for a few hours and works out good for some of the kids that are, you know, like I say, high school, college, whatever. They're busy with school and everything. They come back, work for a few hours get the hours in get it done it goes pretty quick you can drive pretty fast so it's usually not too bad mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're going 15 miles an hour i think um 80 feet wide it's like 140 acres an hour when you're moving but <laughs> right. um you know loading out loading out yes. of a hopper bottom that's that's the majority of the time it's really yep. not seat time it's it's getting loaded but yep it's going really well i'm happy with it i uh happy we're doing it i think uh i uh yeah i I think at the end of the year when we finally put the numbers down on paper, the ROI on it, it's probably three and a half years that all the equipment will be paid for. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, profit after that. But we we do a lot in-house. Uh, pretty much everything's in-house labor. And uh, we don't pencil in any of our time. You know, it, it's like I think everybody says, it, which there's good and bad to that. But, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, too, the thing that I've always liked with fertilizers. then I'm in control. I can spread what I want to spread, where yep. I want to spread it, and it wasn't very long after we got our spinner spreader, we started doing variable rate stuff, and we do a lot of variable rate stuff now. So, Well, anyway, Matt, thanks a lot for calling in today. hope the rest of harvest goes well, and good luck to you over there. Yep, thanks. You bet. All right, it's Farmer Friday. Got just a little bit of time yet today. If you want to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take your tillage to the next level with the Insight Universal Tillage Tool from McFarland Ag. With more adjustability and flexibility, the Insight is the ultimate one-pass tillage tool. Visit McFarlandAg.com to find your closest dealer. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season 
by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Last year's fertilizer cost too much. This year's fertilizer still costs too much. So maybe next year... Ahem. Maybe next year, instead of paying whatever the market dictates, you should find a new source. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the crop nutrients that are already in your soil, so you can use less fertilizer and capture the yield you count on to turn a profit. I said to turn a profit. That's more like it. Learn more at sound.ag. It's Farmer Friday, and this is Ag PhD Radio. If you'd like to call in, the number's 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going right back to the phone lines. Got John calling in from Kansas. Hey, John, here you've been real dry down there, huh? Yes, sir. We've really been dry. It's This is the second year in a row. We had kind of a wet spring, but we've only had an inch and a half of rain since the 5th of July. Ooh. So it's... Uh, it's pretty dry. It doesn't uh, it doesn't doesn't look good for a winter wheat crop so far. I mean, the, a lot of the ground that's been worked is blowing, and and uh, you know I like to be optimistic, but there's just a, I guess a <laughs> limit to your optimism. Yeah. Know? Yep. I hear you. So can I assume you don't have any irrigation on your farm? Yes, sir. We do. Oh, okay. We do. Well, we've uh, we've harvested the beans and they they made between sixty and seventy five and nice the the dry, the irrigated corns made around two fifty but we had some green snap and a little hail and that corn's been coming in about one fifty sure so. yep so let me ask you on that green snap have you tested that soil there because I'm always curious if guys have looked at the potassium levels because. What we've found over the years is a lot less green snap where we have high potassium. But being in Kansas, a lot of people we work with down there have high potassium already. I'm not for sure on the potassium. We took some tissue samples and, you know, the, the corn, uh, you know, the potassium seemed to be okay on the corn. I don't know exactly what it was, but sure. I just noticed most of the green snap was kind of up on the hills where the soil was lighter. Yep, and there and there may be we've got that 
gypsum, you know, that calcareous soil that the pH is pretty high on, and I don't know whether mm-hmm. that makes it more susceptible or not. So, uh, Not necessarily, but yeah, it can cause some nutrient imbalances. But I mean, if you ever do soil sample those spots, send them to us. I'd, I'd sure like to take a look at it. So um, with your with your wheat, you say you, you must have seeded some winter wheat. Uh, has it gotten started, or is is this ground, you were talking about the ground blowing where, where there's winter wheat. Is the, is the wheat not going well, yet? Or? Well, I know till, so I've still got some cover. Okay. And I've opted not to plant any winter wheat. The guys that are still far, farming the ground have planted some wheat just to get some cover on it. Sure. And it's, since we got this rain, oh, the, the, the first of the week we got a half inch, and I see some oh. of it starting to sprout now. So. Yep. But there's just no subsoil moisture at all, so yeah. I, I don't, I just don't know. I, I hopefully we get some snow, but I I don't know, uh, you know, don't know what the winter's going to bring. So, but the oh. temperatures changed 35 degrees since yesterday, so it's pretty cool <laughs> and windy here today. Same thing up here. Yeah, it was 90 something degrees just the other day, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And now this morning I get up and I'm going to yeah. say it was 41 or something like that at my place. So. Yeah. Yeah, we were eighty we were eighty five yesterday and it was fifty one this morning. So yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The, the plains in the United States, the weather can change pretty quickly. So. Yep, that's for sure. Well, hey John, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. We'll pray for a little rain for you down there, maybe some snow over this winter. That'll help you guys out down there. So uh good luck, stay safe and uh thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Yep, you too. All right, we got Doyle on next from Tennessee, wondering how to control voles. Hey, Doyle, so voles are a real problem for you, huh? Yeah, in a cover crop rotation, they certainly are. So what kind of cover crop were you throwing out there, rye? Uh, Rye's in the mix. It's a seven-way blend. Oh, yep. Yep. Winter peas, I think, and uh, wheat and uh, crimson clover and uh, uh, radishes and uh, turnips. Okay, so let me ask you this. It's a cover. Um, why do you care if the voles are in there doing a little bit of damage? Because, I, I mean, with a cover crop, at least something's growing out there, holding the, uh, the soil down and maybe building a little organic matter, reducing compaction, stuff like that. Is it a big deal? Or, what? I mean, what, what's your concern here? Is it when you go into your next crop that the voles are still there or what? Exactly. You got it. Okay. So what, what will the next crop typically be? Is it uh, corn? Corn or soybeans. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, how long has this been a problem for several years now, and getting worse or what? Uh, yeah. It uh, is. That's that's about it. It's uh, been a problem and getting worse. Yeah. A so. Good way to describe- yep. Yep. Okay. So voles, um, they like to eat plants, and that's that's the problem. Uh, occasionally we'll get some other rodents that uh, uh, they're after after bugs and things like that, and so we just kill the bugs, and then usually we don't have as much of a rodent problem. So that, that I I was kind of hoping it wasn't voles when uh, when our uh, call screener, our producer for the show, uh, just typed a message in for me and said you had 
issues with voles. I'm like, boy, I hope it isn't voles. And sure enough, it is. So anyway, I, I wish I had some amazing answer for you, but I will tell you, we've <laughs> talked to some people that have done things like put anhydrous ammonia out there. A lot of times that's enough to drive them away. Uh, tillage helps. Hmm. But beyond those two things, I don't know if I have a real great answer. And I guess so for anybody listening to the show today, if you found any other way other than anhydrous or tillage to get rid of your vole problem, I'd sure like to know what it mm-hmm. is because that's a that's about all I know. Okay. Now, I, I will say, because you can read online, and I, I'm going to assume if you have, you've read about some of these uh, pesticides to actually kill the voles, but here's the problem with that. Um, they're pretty dangerous, and so I personally don't like to do that. I don't ever recommend that, but, um, you know, there, there, there are some things that could kill them. I'm just not super excited about that. I mean, other than the anhydrous, because I just figure, well, hey, anhydrous, a lot of people are using that anyway. It's nitrogen. People are familiar with it. It's not, I mean, everybody kind of knows the safety aspects of anhydrous. But boy, you start talking about some of these harsh pesticides, uh, you can kill a lot of other things besides the voles, and that's usually not real good. So yeah, anhydrous or tillage, that's about all I know what to tell you, Doyle. I, I wish I had a better answer. Well, that's uh, certainly helpful. I hadn't thought about the anhydrous. Yeah, so you can try that. Um, I've had several guys say that is not too bad at getting rid of them. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I guess if you do give it a shot, let me know how it turns out for you. I certainly will. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot for calling in today, Doyle. Appreciate it, and good luck down there. I appreciate it. Thank you for all y'all do. You bet. All right. It is time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. Got this question in from Rich. He says, I've been trying the last few years to get my soil health in order, so I've been taking some soil samples. Um, so I, he, uh, he sent us a soil sample here, by the way, and he says, I have added some, I added this spring some nitrogen and some potassium. Well, now I want to get my sulfur level up. Is this an acceptable time of year to put down sulfur? He says he's in Pennsylvania, and He's got a 90% elemental sulfur product locally that he can get. Can you recommend an application rate? And he wants to use this in his lawn. All right, so, Rich, here's the whole thing. When we're talking about lawns, um, you are going to need nitrogen, like, all the time. So we typically will say, all right, if you need sulfur also, put ammonium sulfate out there. That's what I do. That's what Darren does. A lot of people will do that with great success. So if it's me... I'm just going to use ammonium sulfate. The reason why elemental sulfur is nice is it's a slow-release kind of product. And the problem and the concern with that is I don't know about the, the source that you're getting. What I would suggest, if you want, is take some of whatever source you're going to buy, put a little bit in a mason jar, a clear mason jar, with some water, shake it around, come back the next day, shake it around, come back the next day, shake it around, and just see if it's dissolving or if it's not. Because if it's not dissolving in a couple of days, that means it's not going to be dissolving real quickly in your field either. 
because uh, this is in pure water I'm talking about. So anyway, I'm just saying you can use elemental sulfur, but it's going to be a slow release product. Usually it'll break down over a year or two, something like that. So if you want to do that, fine. But if it's me, I'm just going ammonium sulfate. You need the nitrogen, you need the sulfur too. Do that. And you can do it anytime you want to put nitrogen on. I mean, I'm not going to say now is the best time of year to put sulfur on. If you want to put some on, you sure can. But uh, I'd probably do it real early in the spring if it's me. Well, thanks a lot for the question. Well, before we go, just want to say thanks to uh, Alex, who's producing the show for me today, and thanks to you for listening, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.